Welcome to the Elevate Life Podcast channel, a channel focused on helping you establish a biblical philosophy of life that will empower you to reach your full God-given potential. For more information about our church, visit elevate.life. Enjoy this episode. Are y'all ready? So glad you're here. And I want to invite you to put your hand over your heart. We're going to make some declarations. And yes, we're honored to have you and honored to have our online audience. And uh, so today's going to be a great day. And God's going to speak to you. And you're going to see that he's got great things in store for you. Amen? So uh, say this with me. I declare that I'm created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and take dominion. Now stop right there just a second. Some of y'all don't know that. Like, that's the original assignment. It's called the great assignment that God's given you. And he's blessed you to be fruitful. Maybe your life is not fruitful right now. Keep on keeping on. He's blessed you to multiply. He's blessed you to fill the earth with the glory of God that he's put on the inside of you. He's blessed you to take dominion. And all we're doing today is we're coming into agreement with that blessing. Amen? You literally have to unbless yourself. And the way you unbless yourself is just by not acknowledging God and by not living life the way God wants you to live. So continue. Say this with me. I declare that 2022 is my year of promise for me, my family, my finances, and my future. Put an amen on that. Amen. I declare that according to 2 Corinthians 1.20, that all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen. Come on. Yes and amen. Today, I open up my mind to receive the promises of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way. Very good. Lift up your hands. Come on, say it with me. Come, Holy Spirit, help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Come on, y'all. Yes, yes, yes. So glad you're here. You may be seated. And what a great story. Um, Josh McCraw, uh, they're not here this service. I think they were here last service. And, uh, but I, uh, I fast forward and you're going to, you're going to hear about some of Josh's story, uh, next week as we conclude this portion of it, but just to see the promises of God unfold in his life that he came to our church because he was invited by a cousin of his and really had no direction, no sense of purpose in his life. And, uh, uh, you'll probably hear, I don't know if they captured it on the story, but I coach him. So I know what he's doing in his life right now. But I mean, uh, this last year, he, his volume of business was over $30 million. So that, that, uh, that little kid who came to our church that was just serving, guess what? God has used him to make great things happen for the kingdom of God. He's also now a financial leader in this house. And so I'm just so proud of him. And that's, that's proof of what can happen here. And so it's very, very exciting and I don't know where your life is right now, but stay in the game. Don't quit. Uh, sometimes people are like waves of the sea. They're just, I just went out. They're like waves of the sea. They're like waves of the sea. Uh, let's, uh, let's try another. Oh, okay, good. That brought me back up. Thanks. I, I, I guess somebody didn't like what I said. But, uh, but anyway, um, but, uh, but there, the Bible says don't be tossed to and fro like a wave of the sea. But listen, stay plugged in, stay connected. How, do, you, do you know, uh, Whitney or Clay, how many years ago that was that Josh came? So it would have been, he's been... 2007 or eight. Yeah, since 2007. And through all the ups and downs of his own life, 
One constant is he stayed connected to his family of choice, to the house of God. So I'm just so excited because I know I've seen people's lives grow and I've seen what God can do. And I just believe he's going to do that same thing for you as well. Um, Justin right now is on his tractor in Iowa. Hey, thank you, Justin. I was on my tractor yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Man, by the way, people that have tractors, anybody here ever had a tractor? Anybody? Let me see your hands. Anybody here not ever had a tractor? Was there this thing called PTO? And if you never cussed, the PTO on your tractor will make you want to cuss. But I did not cuss yesterday. I finally got the thing on the PTO. Anyway, Justin, glad you're watching. Ron, Eureka, California, Julie, Colorado Springs, many other people watching. And today I'm very excited to announce for the second week, uh, right now we are on TV. Uh, and so uh, right here in Dallas on ABC, 1130s now on Sundays and Fox, and you can see all the different shows. But set your DVRs. Would you do that? Tell some people about the, 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 uh, our television show. And uh, I, on my Instagram, I, I posted something, I think it was yesterday, about how this vision started. It's not just as a church, we want to be on TV. That's not the issue. I was a business major in college, felt like I had a call of God in my life, and God shifted me and said, I, I'm, I'm going to use you in television. I thought, mm, I, don't know, I don't know how that's going to happen. Uh, there was no such thing as Daystar. There was no such thing as really Christian television, even at that time. There was, TBN was one station. And so it wasn't like I saw like preachers preaching on TV. I never saw that. The only person I ever saw preaching on TV was Billy Graham. In fact, as a child, I would have a little cassette recorder. And every time there was a Billy Graham crusade, I'd, I'd record that message. And uh, I thought, maybe, maybe someday God will use me like that to, to, to speak to people and to encourage people. So today, thousands and thousands and thousands of people have already seen Elevate Life Church all over the Metroplex. And I'm just so happy because they're going to know the truth and the truth is going to set them free. So we're very excited about that. Um, and uh, so I want to just jump in today. Uh, we're, we're, we're only going to be here about two or three hours. And um, I'm just kidding. But, but I, wanted, I want to just get right to it today because we're in the year of promise and I just had this, this, this God thought about the promise-driven life. I mean, if God has given us promises, why shouldn't those, why, why shouldn't those promises be what, what drives our life, what helps our life move forward? And so I want to talk a little bit about that. And I'm, I'm really talking about for the second week the theology of promise. In other words, what was God's thoughts in giving 7,487 promises to us, 31,127 scriptures? in the Bible, and yet one out of every four scriptures refers to a promise of God. But we don't read the Bible like that. We don't, we don't realize how connected from the Old Testament and the New Testament that the promises of God are. So I felt like it was important that in this year of promise that we talked about, what are God's thoughts about promises? And so the promises of God are proof of the plans that he has to bless and prosper your life. So God has made these promises, and they're proof to us that he not only has a plan for our life, and I want to say that to you, God has a plan for your life. Now, you can do it your own way. You can do your marriage your own way, or you can do it God's way. You can do your relationship your own way. You may not think, oh, we don't really need to get married. This says you do. Well, yeah, but we're, no, no, no. You see, here's the truth. You can do it your way, or you can do it God's way. When you do it God's way, guess what? He's going to prosper your life. He's going to bless your life. So, so why, why, do I mention, why do I mention marriage? 
Well, today I get on a plane and we'll go, I'll go to Colorado. And uh, we have 28 people that are waiting on me to get there because we, we've got a, an elite couples mastermind and we're going to be imparting into those couples. And it, we, we, we care so much about marriage that we have on Wednesday nights a marriage class here for you. And it's not like, it's not like oh, you're having some marital problems, go to marriage class. No, you go to get better. Like you go to learn and you go to de- develop and you learn, learn to do life and you learn that your, your challenges and sometimes your problems in your marriage that seem insurmountable are not unique to you. Like how many of y'all that have been married know that everybody's got the same kind of problems? It's called getting along. It's called making it work. It's called making the impossible possible. It's called a man and a woman who are completely different trying to do this thing, you know? So, so, so in this incubator of greatness, and that's what I call our church, there are different rooms that we've created to, uh, to help that and help particularly in your marriage. And let me just say this. Marriage is the first thing. I mean, it's, God created Adam and he said, it's not good that man be alone. So he made him a helpmate. And the two became one. And so what's so powerful is marriage is a template for everything else. And every little girl, especially, growing up dreams of marrying Prince Charming. Every little boy, I don't know what he dreams. He don't don't dream about nothing but a pretty girl hopefully liking him. I mean, that's about as far as the dream will go. So just remember that, girls. I mean, you got all these, oh, my wedding, and it's got to be sitting away. And the guy's just going, look, let's go. Uh, But anyway, so... So that's, that's the real, real, all right? That's the real, real. But God meant for marriage to be more than that. It's a template for business. It's a picture of two people coming together. Jesus said it this way. If any two of you agree is touching anything on earth, my Father in heaven will do it. In other words, God will add his super to your natural. Can I just ask you a question today? How many of you would like for God to add his godness to your life? Come on. Like he's a good God, but he doesn't just want to give you good things. He wants to add his godness to your life. Those are the promises of God. His promises are his godness. It transcends goodness. Goodness is his favor, but his godness, it's like, it's like he wants you to be godlike in the earth. He intended for marriage to be a template, and that's why marriage is so important. It's holy, and your, God, his, God's hand comes on your life in a different way. I've said this many, many times, but the Bible says that he that findeth a good woman findeth a good thing and obtains favor with the Lord. In other words, if you do it God's way, that woman that you choose to align your life with will bring a type of favor on your life that you would never have without her. So you learn to honor her and you learn to to cherish her and you learn to treat her uh, better than you would even treat yourself. That's God's plan. Why? Because it's your practice. It's your practice to serve. It's your practice to honor. It's your practice to love. It's your practice to forgive. It's your practice to bend over. You say, what does that mean? That means that, okay. Yes, yes. I love the Asian culture. Like, yes. I remember one time uh, I was in Singapore and I, I walked to these people. Like, I went, they went, I went, okay. <laughs> I mean, after about the 10th time, I go, I think I'm good. Okay, I think I'm good. Like, and I, lo- I love the culture. It's like, it's like very cool. But anyway, so, so, so marriage, it's a big deal. It, it's, it's a big deal because it's a template for everything else in your life. And God intended for marriage to be heaven on earth, but for many people it's hell on earth. And because maybe they didn't have a good father, or maybe they didn't have a good home, they can't imagine it working. And can I just tell you that God intended for you, two people to come together 
and for it to be nothing like you could have ever experienced. And that's why the devil works so hard against it because he knows if you can get that right, you can get anything right. If you can make that work, you can make anything work. And it's so, so powerful. I didn't come today just to talk about marriage, but I came today to talk to you about the the promises of God, that it all started when God said, I'm blessing you to be fruitful. So you gotta find the right people to be fruitful with, to plant seed with, to come alongside, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it, to have dominion, to rule and reign in the earth. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Some of you, because you've you've never had that kind of father in your life, it's hard for you to fathom a heavenly father that, that has promises just for you because he has plans to prosper you. He has a plan for your life and he wants your life to go well. And he wants you to experience heaven on earth before you ever get to heaven eternally. Promise is a declaration or an assurance. Now listen to this, that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. So when you make a promise to somebody, as I've said several times in the last few weeks, when you make a promise to somebody, it's more about you than it is about them. You're not making a promise because of just who they are, but you're making a promise because of who you are. So in a marriage, that's the way it is. And here's the truth, not just in the American culture, but in culture worldwide. Marriage is the closest thing anybody ever gets to making promises to other people. Because when you get married, you stand there and you look at each other in the eyes and you've got all these hopes, you've got all these dreams and you really think my life is gonna be better because of this person. Otherwise, why would you marry him? But my life is going to be better because of this person. And when you're making your promises for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, for most people, that is the most profound promise they'll ever make in their life. And let me give you the good news and the bad news. One out of every two works. The bad news is one out of every two fails. So what does that tell you? Do promises matter? They should. They should. Because you make a promise to somebody, it doesn't matter whether they break their promise or not, you still made a promise. But yet sometimes we don't keep our end of the promise. We we say, well, that changes my promise because you broke your promise. But watch this. When you're a person and you make a promise, that's your promise, regardless of them That's how God is with us. He knew we couldn't keep. He knows we're covenant breakers. He knows we're not God, but we are his sons and daughters. But he wants us to live like him. We're created in his image to image him. And he wants us to be those kind of people that make promises. Why? Because he wants us to be the kind of people that doesn't just make promises, but we are the ones that make promises happen. It's not just about keeping a promise. It's about if I make a promise, I make the promise happen. So again, the definition is a declaration, an assurance from one person who will do a particular thing. And because of that one person, a particular thing will happen. Secondly, it's grounds for hope. 
when we make a promise that we're, we're giving somebody hope. It's grounds for expectation. Here, here's what you can expect. I'm, gonna, I'm making this promise, and you can, you can expect that I'm going to keep that promise. And the assurance of eventual success. Can I just ask you all a question? How many of you want to believe that regardless of what your life looks like right now, eventually you're going to succeed? Come on. All right? So that's what God wants you to know. Now, some of you didn't raise your hand on that. I'm not sure what's wrong with your arm. But here's what I can tell you. I'm going to give you another chance. Don't you sit there like this in this church. It's okay for a second. But this means I'm bored, I'm cut off, nobody can tell me nothing. So put it down right now. Now, here, now I'm going to ask you a question. And some of y'all still like that. It's okay, it's okay, I'm not your daddy, I don't have to be. But God just might want to speak something to you today. If you'll let him, let him in, let him in. Give me a hug. Here's what I want to tell you. How many of you want to believe that no matter what's going on in your life right now, eventually you will succeed. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. It's like, it's like, that's me. That's what I believe. So that's how God is with us. God makes promises to us because he wants to teach us something. Everything in the Bible is a template for us. It's not just, man, God, you're great. I'm great. And I've created followable excellence because I want you to be great. In case nobody's ever told you, God wants you to be great. So that means you can suck if you want to, but God wants you to be great because God is great. Come on, and greatly to be praised. Come on, he's great. And we're his sons and we're his daughters. And so he's got this plan for us, a plan, a future, a hope to give you a future and an expected end. It's so, so important that we realize this. So why does God give promises? We talked about this last week. Let me encapsulate. God wants you to know who he is. So when somebody makes you a promise, what they're saying is, here's who I am. Here's who I am. I promise. But also, number two, God wants you to know how important you are to him. You're important to God. It's so hard for us. when, If you haven't been loved well, if you, if you never really felt significant yourself, it's so hard to understand that God who created you, he used your, your mom and your dad, whether you knew either one of them, whether you're adopted, We've all been adopted. In other words, when we come to Christ, we're adopted into God's family. So don't ever let that be something that, that, that is a hiccup for you. Like my mother didn't, she didn't mean anything negative by this, but like, frankly, a few times I had to worry about it when I, I, when I was a teenager. I go, what would she say? She goes, you know, I mean, this is the truth. She would say, you know, we fished you out of the toilet. I don't know why anybody ever said it to their children. But here's what I'd say back to her. Well, you know I'm a keeper. You didn't throw me back in. Every time when I, when I was growing up, well, first of all, when I was growing up, they didn't have answering machines. But when I was growing up, when they got answering machines, here's how I'd call my parents and leave a message. Hey, this is your middle son. I am the peanut butter in the Nutter Butter Peanut Butter sandwich cookie that would not taste good without me. I'd start every call this way. I'm also that favorite part of an Oreo that you may not even eat both halves, but you're going to eat the middle of it. That's who, that's who I am. I'm the freaking middle son. And guess what? I'm just calling to say I love y'all. 
See, it doesn't matter what your daddy said. Doesn't matter what your mama said. Doesn't matter what your family said. Doesn't matter how anybody feels about you. God has a plan for you. You say, but my dad wasn't a good dad. Your heavenly father is a good father. Some of us are so hung up on what somebody that was supposed to love us was supposed to do and supposed to say. You decide who you are and then you live a promise-driven life that people can count on you. If you say it, take it to the bank. Two of my three children are sitting on this front row. My other one's watching. I know she's watching. (laughs) Call her, tell her to watch Whitney. Anyway, (laughs) she just had a baby. So she's probably with her baby and the last thing she wants to do is hear me preach. But but, but two, two of my three children are here. Friend of God and everybody, I don't need a compliment from them. I want you to be absolutely honest. Don't, don't, if, if, if you can't say it, then say, well, I can't say that. If I tell you something, I'm your father, is it going to happen? Yes, sir. Would you stand up and turn around <laughs> and look out? How old are you? 31. 31. If I'm your dad and I tell you something, it's going to happen. Is it going to happen? Yes, sir. Is that true? Yes, it's true. If I say this is going to happen. It's true. Do you think every, do you think that every dad ought to have that kind of authority that he could look at his child and say, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen in your life. Here's what's going to happen in the future. Here's what God's going to do. And do you think every dad should and could have that kind of authority for every child that they have? Now, listen. Maybe you grew up with a dad that was not a good dad, or maybe your dad wasn't even around. Guess what, you, guess, guess what that blessing is? You know how not to be. Yeah. You don't have an excuse. Well, my dad was, oh, no, no, no. You have a wonderful example of how not to be. You know what's worse than a dad that was never there? A dad that was there but was not there. So I don't need my children to stand up and tell me that. I know that about myself. So I know I don't play with what I tell them. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen in our family. Here's what's going to happen in our future. And here's what happens to so many people. Watch this. They look at their future. And by the way, anytime I'm in our church and I talk about our future, Mark, you've been in our church how long? 20 years. So Mark, when I talk about the future, do I look that way usually? Don't I go, the future. Because almost every time I look that way, you know why I look that way? I think that's north. (laughs) With the people that have a good uh, sort of gauge to what north, south, east, and west is, because some of y'all don't, is that north? Okay, now watch this. The Bible says that God sits in the north. So watch this. When you look at your future, which is your vision, And you say, this is the kind of marriage I want. This is the kind of family I want. This is the kind of finances I want. This is the kind of job I want. This is what I'm envisioning for myself. Watch this now. That's where the promises start for you to up-level your life so that what you see can happen. And that's what most people don't do. They hope they have a good future. 
God says, I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope and an expected end. But watch this. If God has a plan for your life, do you think there's some kind of responsibility on your part for that plan to come to pass? I'm just asking you the question. I'm just asking you the question. Like if God really does have a plan for your life, then guess what? And he says, this is the promise for you. Well, guess what? The promise doesn't just happen. There's like, you know, and, and again, I could do a deep dive on this. I don't have time today. But the reality is there are conditional promises and there are unconditional promises. The unconditional promise part of God is that he loves you. Listen very carefully. No matter what you do, no matter what you've done, no matter what you'll ever do, nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's a promise from Almighty God. How many of you are grateful for that promise? God loves you. In fact, there ought to be some kind of song that says, God can't unlove you. Because he cannot unlove you. He promises to love you. Another unconditional promise of God is he's going to give you mercy even before you even knew that you needed mercy. He's going to give you mercy until at some point his mercy endures forever. It will run out. But if you don't acknowledge him, what is mercy? Let me tell you what mercy is. God doesn't give you what you do deserve. Anybody here ever been to court? Let me just see your hands. Whoa! <laughs> what kind of church is this? Well, we're glad y'all are here. We're glad you got out. But anyway, have you ever been in a situation? I'm joking. Have you ever been in a situation, listen to me now, where you needed mercy from somebody? I have many times. I've actually asked people for mercy. Look, I'm going to ask for your mercy in this situation. I've asked that for my children. I need your mercy in this situation. Isn't it wonderful when somebody gives you mercy when you need mercy? This is, what, this is the problem, by the way, with lawsuits. Just listen very carefully what I'm about to tell you. People get on the sue train. I'm going to sue them. I'm going to sue them. Here's what happens. Once it goes legal, you're at the mercy of the court, and there's not much mercy there. The letter of the law is very strict, and it might go your way, and it might not. Be very careful in your future about saying, I'm going to go to court. Because whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Sometimes let it go. That might be a word for somebody today. Just turn it over to God. Turn them over to God and say, God, you have mercy on them and just help me go on with my life. That's sometimes what's needed. So again, I could keep talking about that, but here's what I want you to know. At some point in your life, you're going to need mercy. Four reasons why God gives promises. He wants you to know who he is. That's why he promises. He wants you to know how important you are to him. You're very important to God. God wants the best for you, and he wants you to be the beneficiary of all the good things he has in store for you. I'm going to pause right there and ask you a question. If you have two or three people in your life that truly want the best for you, you are a blessed person. 
Because the truth is not everybody's going to want the best for you. In fact, some people, even they get married and they don't want the best for that person. They want the best for themselves. So to, have, to, to get to be, and by the way, you're in an incubator of greatness. And I, before the Lord, I've tried to establish a tribe and a family where we would get to be in the room with people that would want the best for each other. In our masterminds, that's one of the most beautiful things that I tell people. I said, you know what? Some of you, for the first time in your life, you're in a room where people are all paying a price to be in the room. They're all investing in themselves. But watch this. You're also in a room where you're going to find out other people want the best for you. Some of you have never been in rooms like that. You've never been in a high enough level room. Because guess what? You've got to invest in yourself to get in a room like that to where the people around you are on their own journey of greatness, to achieve greatness. But watch it. You don't get to be in great rooms by being entitled. You get to be in great rooms by paying your price. That was one thing in particular I told my son. I didn't have these, these particular talks with my daughter, but I had them with my son. I said, Josh, you can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do as long as you're willing to pay your price. There's going to be a different kind of price for you, even than your sister's. They're going to have a man that comes in their life, and he's going to hopefully take care of them, and they're going to be a part of that. But, but as a man, there's a price that you're going to pay as a man that only you can pay. There's a price you're going to pay in your marriage to have a great relationship that only you can pay, and it's not equal. It's never 50-50. I've approached my life to say, you know what? It ain't 50-50 with my wife. It's not even 7-30, 70-30. I'm going to just act as if it's to be, it's up to me. I'm going to make this happen. I've shared this. Some of y'all have heard this story before, but I've, I, I've told Pastor Precious. I call her Precious. She calls me Keith. That just should tell you something right there. <laughs> or every once in a while she'll go, hey, honey. But I call her Precious. Now that's her grandparent name. Her grandchildren call her Precious. Hey, Peppas. I couldn't. Layla was the first grandbaby, and she couldn't say precious, so she called her Peppas. So now she's Peppas Precious. It's the sweetest thing. But watch this. As her husband, I named her. Now, her parents gave her her name, her legal name, but I named her based on what I saw in her. As a man, when you realize the power that you have, I'm talking to men just for a second that you have the power to speak things over people. Now watch this, that causes them to want to live up to it. Sheila's precious, but she doesn't act precious all the time. <laughs> so I don't call her precious because she's all that in a bag of chips. She's way more than that to me. But I want you to get what I'm saying. When you realize the power that you have, and I want you to see this, and this is everybody now. I want you to see this. That God wants the best for you, and he wants you to be the beneficiary of all the good things that he has in store for you. But if, you're, if your life is not based on these promises of God, if you're just a Christian, yeah, I want to go to heaven, forgive me, Jesus, of my sins, you're falling way short of the glory of God and what he has for your life. Somebody put an amen on that. God's got great things in store for you. Come on. Look at somebody next to you and say, God's got great things in store for you. Tell them that. God's got great things in store for you. Lastly, God wants, you, wants to be proven in your life so that he can prove himself through your life. God gives you promises because he wants to be proven in your life. But he doesn't just want to be proven in your life that he's God. 
That's why when he says about tithing, it's so hard for people, first fruit in God. It's so hard to wrap their brain around it. Like, wait, I'm supposed to give God the first dollar of every 10. Is that gross or net? Wrong question. That's an IRS question. With God, it's gross. Whatever comes in, give God the first dollar. Put God first before you pay the IRS. Put God first before you pay your bills. Why? Because you're, you're giving him place in your life. You're honoring him. You say, well, I just don't have the money to do it. Then you know all I can tell you is this. You need to adjust that paradigm and quit saying, I don't have the money to do it. And never again say, I don't have the money. Because God wants to bring the money. He wants to bring the money. But he wants to be proven in your life. And Now watch this. Sometimes God can't be proven in our life because of our life sentences, the things we say about ourselves, the things that we repeat that other people have said to us. So about the promises of God, the promises of God reveal that God is a God of promise. Put an amen on that. In scripture, the promise of God, and I close with this, is the declaration or assurance which God has given us in his word of bestowing blessings and favor on his people. Come on, would you just lift up your hands right now and say, God, I want every blessing. Come on, say it. I want every blessing and every bit of favor that has my name on it. I want it in my life. Now listen to this. This, this is powerful. Such assurance, assurance of what? That God is going to bestow blessings and favor on your life. Such assurance rests on a couple of things. And I want you to get this as we close. First of all, God's perfect love. What, is, what does perfect love mean? It means unconditional. In the Greek, it's agape. It's like God loves you no matter what. In fact, God's the one that is not gonna have to work hard at loving you when you're not lovable. He's the only one. Some people are just hard to love. You know anybody like that? Don't point. <laughs> Some people are hard to love, but you know what perfect love is? Perfect love is God's gonna love you no matter what, because he just loves you. But my question to you is, are you the beneficiary of that love? Are you gonna block feeling the love of God, watch this, because of your own insecurity? Well, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. That's the devil's plan. So God, God brings this assurance through his promises. What assurance? That his goal as your father, his goal is to bestow blessing and favor on your life. This assurance rests on his perfect love for you. That's the first thing. His immutable power, his extravagant generosity, and finally, his desire to give you the kingdom. So we can rest in this assurance that, wow, the promises of God reveal that God's a God of promise. His promise is a declaration of assurance that God's given in his word that he wants to bestow blessings and favor on my life. That assurance rests in his love for me, his power to make it happen, his generosity, and then watch this, his desire to give us the kingdom. I love this, one of my favorite scriptures, Luke 12, 32. Do not be afraid or anxious, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
2 Peter 3, 4 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. He not only doesn't forget his promises, but he's a promise-keeping God. Come on, y'all. He's a promise-making God, and he's a promise-keeping God. And that's what you can be assured of. Now, everything in the Bible is not just for us to learn about God. Listen to me. Everything in the Bible is for us in learning about God is to be like God. So if it's God's desire to bestow blessing and favor, why don't you be that kind of person in the earth? It's my desire to bestow blessing and favor on people's lives. That's why I would ever make a promise to somebody. I would make a promise to somebody. Why? Because I want to bestow blessing and favor on your life. The blessing that I have or the favor that I have. That's what we do at the altar. Like I said, that's really the... Pretty much in our culture and world, worldly culture, the only time people make that kind of verbal promise to somebody else, and it only works in one out of every two marriages. Wow, why is that? Because people don't realize the future I want is there for me to have as long as I'll level up and be the person that can make that future happen. It's the same way with the promises of God. God says, I can make it happen because I love you. I can make it happen because I've got the power. I can make it happen because I'm generous. I can make it happen because I desire to give you the kingdom of God. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So what does that say to us? God says, I want you to be like me. Love yourself, love God, love people enough that you can make promises. And watch this and know that you have the power and that you're generous enough to make whatever you promise come to pass. Because it's your desire, watch this, to take the part of the kingdom that God has given you and everybody in your life becomes the beneficiary of it. God says, I want you to be like me. I want you to love like me. I want you to have the power that I have. I want you to be generous like me. And I want you to desire for other people that the part of the kingdom that you benefited from, the part of the kingdom, by by the way, Josh's story. Wow. He comes here, he's serving, he's questioning his mind. Man, free labor. Wow, they're not paying me anything. And in this incubator of greatness, hey, I see you. In this incubator of greatness, God brings the greatest gift besides Jesus he could ever receive. And that's the woman that he's married to today. In this incubator of greatness, he's serving along Clay Jones. He's serving on our our worship team. And what did he say? I'm learning. Anybody remember? Excellence. Wow. Wow. You mean through serving in the parking lot, you can learn excellence? You mean from being on a team, you can learn something that's going to cause a type of mastery in your own life, that through serving the house of God, what you made happen for others, God will make happen for you. Yes! That's what's so powerful. But some people, they love, but watch this, they fall short with power. They don't have the power to make something happen. And I just want you to know, if God has the power to make it happen, you're his son, you're his daughter. He wants you to make a promise and be the one that can deliver on your promise. 
And that doesn't happen without you being a generous person. We practice generosity every week in this church. We're always giving out. Most of you don't even know what all we give out. Sometimes we tell you, the mighty men of this church last weekend, $350,000 plus dollar offering. Not for any particular project, but just because this is how we roll in this house. Come on. This is how we roll. What, what are we doing? We're going to advance God's kingdom. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make miracles happen. And by the way, when you become a part of something that's bigger than yourself, don't look at a church like this and say, that church doesn't need my money. Why are they talking about money all the time? Let me tell you why. Josh, you're serving because you're learning excellence. And out of that excellence, you're going to be able to build a business that you could have never dreamed of someday. And by the way, now that I have the privilege to coach him, I know how he rolls. And I'm helping open other gifts and open doors in his life because that's what God's put in me, to love, to have power, to be able to bestow through generosity and blessing on other people's lives. And that's why I'm a pastor. That's why I'm a coach. That's why I'm a mentor. That's what I do. Why? Because at 62, that's part of my best and highest use. And can I tell you that God has plans for you. He has plans to prosper you. He has plans to bless you. You might say, my life doesn't look that, look that way right now. Hey, guess what? I want you to hold on. I want you to cling to the promises of God. I want you to decide. I'm going to be a person that's a promise keeper myself. I'm going to be a person that can level up to the future that I have. And God's got great things in store for you. But it's going to require something out of you. And it's dealing with the not so great part of you that makes the great part of you that seems unreachable, reachable and doable. Father, thank you for your word today. Come on, church. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring about us. And God, today we just submit ourselves to be promise-driven people to hold on to the promises of God, to get to know the promises of God and in the process to get to know you so that you can give us the part of the kingdom that has our name on it. Father, I thank you. I thank you that today's the day. Today's the day where you're gonna shift hearts and lives for your glory. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed just for a second. And if you're here and you say, Keith, you know what? As I see here today, my life is not right with God. In a moment, your life can change. In a second, you can decide. That's why your life can change in a moment. Because in a second, you can decide. Futurists tell us that the future starts every five seconds. In other words, you're in the present for about five seconds. So if you can count to five, now you're in the future. So in the next five seconds, I'm going to ask you to make a decision. If you hadn't really given your life to God, then you can't be the beneficiary of God. If you're not doing your life, your marriage, your business, God's way, then you're not going to be the beneficiary of the blessings and favor he wants to bestow on your life. And if that's you and you say, I just, I just want everything God has for me, and I don't want to get anything, I don't want to have anything in my life that's blocking it, and I know right now I'm not where I need to be with God. If that's you on three, slip up your hand. One, two, three. Come on, all of this place is slipping up. I see it, yes. Anybody else? Yes, yes, I see it. Anybody else? Yes. I want you to put your hands down and pray this prayer with me. Everybody in the room, say this out loud with me. You don't have to say it loudly, but just say it out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for your promises, your precious promises that you have for me. Thank you for loving me. And I ask you now to forgive me for the mistakes that I've made, 
for doing life my own way. God, I want what you want for me. I want what you want for my life. Because your promise is that you have plans for me to give me a future and a hope to bless my life and favor my life. So from this day forward, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give all those people that prayed that prayer maybe for the first time a big hand? Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of our latest episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. That way, you know when a new episode has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, visit elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.